A peanut butter whiskey born in Ocean Beach is now in the crosshairs of several lawsuits, with several well-known Obesians claiming they had a part in turning OB Noodle House's unique shot into a popular product. Screwball peanut butter whiskey was the brainchild of Steve and Brittany Yang, but three other people claim some part in the spirit's success. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Christina Davis, you're a federal courts reporter on the Enterprise team. And recently, you wrote a story about a legal controversy surrounding a very popular whiskey. It's screwball peanut butter whiskey. And I think a lot of people question at first, if they've never tried it, whether peanut butter and whiskey actually ever go together. Um, But it does, in my opinion. And we have the bottle in studio. And you see, is that a a sheep or a goat? It's a black sheep. It's a black sheep. Oh, because it's a black sheep. Of whiskeys, I guess. Well, the brand was born in Ocean Beach, and uh, the logo harkens back to all of the black sheep, misfits, uh, outcasts, the kind of people that tend to call Ocean Beach home, um, and that's a place where they can be themselves and they can thrive. Um, so they're kind of saying, this is the whiskey for you. So this has an interesting origin story. So Screwball started um, out of a signature shot that was served at um, OB Noodle House, owned by Steve Yang. And he uh, just came up with it behind the bar one day uh, with actual peanut butter and whiskey. Um, And it's uh, very popular. If you go back further, uh, Steve Yang actually came to the United States um, as a refugee when he was a a child Mm -hmm. with his family. Um, from uh, Cambodia and a uh, refugee camp in Thailand for a little bit. And they were sponsored by a family in Ocean Beach, and they came here. Um, and uh, Steve tells the story about the first time he tried peanut butter. And he said it just completely blew his mind. Um, he says they don't have peanut butter in Southeast Asia. And uh, when they came to Ocean Beach, they were very poor. They were living in a garage, sleeping on mattresses, basically. And they would get uh, food baskets from a local church. Mm-hmm. And inside those food baskets were um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so uh, when he was creating this shot at a, his restaurant that he opened several years later, um, he kind of went back to that peanut butter memory and combined it with whiskey. Yeah, so it sounds like it certainly does mean a lot to the creator of this whiskey. Certainly. The actual whiskey came about because they had, uh, he had long wanted to bottle it up right and put it on shelves and sell it um and he eventually did that um with his wife Mm -hmm. and they created what you see on shelves now all right well for the record it's less than less than an ounce that i'm currently pouring it is lunchtime it is lunchtime and we are recording so i guess what was the beginning of this whiskey? How did it go from being an idea to actually a product on shelves? Um, it sounds like it was more complicated than um, the husband and wife thought. Um, I think there were a lot of iterations. I, I think at first they were thinking of combining it pretty much like it, like the sh- actual shot um, and mm-hmm. using real peanut butter, but apparently it's like really messy to make. Um, you know, peanut butter is very oily, 
and it could separate a lot from whatever mm-hmm. you combine it with, um, and it needed to be shelf-stable. Um, so I think uh, there was a lot of trial and error um, in, bringing, in bringing the customer what they have now. What they ended up with is natural peanut flavor, mm-hmm. I think, um, and some caramel color. Yeah, it's certainly aromatic. We, it's just a tiny bit that I poured in, into these little taster glasses, and we're in the podcast studio of the Union Tribune, and it's like the whole room is peanut buttery right now. That was sweeter than I expected. It is sweet. It's got a nice smooth finish. Wow, yeah. I'm not really a whiskey person, but that was, that was pretty good. It's clear from, this, from tasting this that people know that this is popular and can make lots of money, which is why there are lawsuits. Why don't you give us an explanation of those varying lawsuits about the ownership of the whiskey. So there are three people suing the Yangs um, right now in San Diego Superior Court, and um, they're all very much the same in that they're all suing for some kind of uh, stake in the ownership of the company. Um, They all say to various degrees that they um, were promised uh, some kind of a partnership deal or a a small uh, percent the company, um, and they said they all basically say that the Youngs, um, despite those promises, went forward with creating Screwball on their own and cut them out. Um, that's then where a lot of the lawsuits differ. There, mm-hmm. there's individual circumstances in each one, um, and uh, I think all three are kind of interesting people too. So, which was the first of these lawsuits that was filed? The first lawsuit was filed um, by Noah Tafola, and you might have seen him on um, TV here in San Diego. He's He's been a personality and a, a TV host for quite a while. He hosts uh, Wonderland, and it ran on KPBS, I think, for many years. Um, I think it's on Cox 4 now. Mm-hmm. He basically goes around to local restaurants and businesses and different San Diego landmarks, kind of like a travel show. He um, is also from Ocean Beach. So it's no surprise that he would know the Yangs. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently uh, he was filming uh, one of his shows at Obi Noodle House one day when he claims Steve Yang asked him, hey, why don't you invest in our uh, whiskey? Uh, it's going to be a big thing. Tafola says that the Yangs were interested in some of his celebrity contacts and mm-hmm. um, San Diego and beyond, um, including David Wells who is an um, all-star pitcher, um, also from Ocean Beach. Um, he played for the Padres a few times. So Tafola and Wells um, met with the Yangs, apparently, and some kind of a handshake deal was worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine this wasn't properly documented, which is part of the controversy? It's a little unclear just by reading the complaints. Um, what Tafola and Wells both point to is a text message mm-hmm. that Yang sent them after one of these meetings. And the text message is pretty vague. Um, it doesn't um, talk about figures uh, or anything like that. It just says, um, you know, thank you, gentlemen. Something like, uh, you know, I'm so excited to have you on board. We are the screwball. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not any other uh, formal contracts or anything like that that have been pointed out in their lawsuits. Mm-hmm. So, Tafola claims he was promised um, a 4% stake in the company, and Wells, in his lawsuit, says that he was promised a 6% stake. 
Um, and what makes Wells is a little different is that he claims he paid the Yangs one hundred and forty thousand dollars. With this kind of lawsuit, how long does it generally take to resolve? Like, is this something that's going to go on for years or? Lawsuits can go on for several years. Um, I would say at least a good year, year Mm -hmm. and a half, two years, I would say is pretty standard for something like this. Um, And who knows what will happen with this case, but I'm just saying in general, the majority of these um, do settle in some way. Mm -hmm. And there's also a third person that's suing, right? Correct. And his lawsuit is a little different in that um, he he was not part of this uh, Tafola Wells um, agreement or Mm -hmm. purported agreement. He is an entrepreneur um, who had talked with Steve Yang a few years earlier about maybe starting up some kind of a sake brand, an Mm -hmm. infused sake brand. Um, And the two signed uh, an actual agreement um, about this, and um, they soon realized that because of liquor laws, um, they probably couldn't distribute it across state lines for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So the plaintiff, Adam Purcell, basically said that their discussions turned to the peanut butter whiskey mm-hmm. after that. Um, now, the peanut butter whiskey is not specified on the signed documents. So I think some of that leaves it open to interpretation, and it's what's going to be argued in court. Um, but th- there was a kind of 50-50 partnership agreement that is signed. Um, one of them says uh, sake and, quote, other liquor brands. Uh-huh. So that leaves it pretty wide open. There's a problem with those partnership agreements, though. One partnership agreement, Steve Yang claims that his signature was forged on. Wow. He, which is a pretty big accusation, mm-hmm. he says he never signed that at all. Um, there's another licensing agreement that talks about the partnership um, that was signed, I think, on the same day. Um, and he says he did sign that one. And that only talks about sake and tequila. Hmm. It does not leave that all other liquor brands kind of window open. It's very specific to that. Um so I think there are some very interesting things to argue about in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, that case was headed to arbitration. Now this lawsuit's been filed. Um, Steve Yang is trying to get the judge to order it back to arbitration because uh, that's where they think it belongs. Mm-hmm. So out of all of these lawsuits, it seems like the third one is the most likely to be resolved first, Right. I would say that all depends on if uh, the judge decides whether it's going to stay in court or if it's going to go to arbitration. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly the most documentation and, I would say, history mm-hmm. with that case um, for whatever it's worth. So right now, what are the Yangs doing now in promoting this brand? Well, the Yangs are, like, full steam ahead. Um, Steve has basically sold off his interests in the OB Noodle House and two other uh, restaurants that he's opened. He just wants to completely focus on Screwball. He said in an interview with the Union Tribune last year that he predicts this could be a $1 billion product in four or five years. Mm -hmm. 
They're distributing it to, I think, 46 states nationwide wow. at this point, mm-hmm. something like um, over 12,000 accounts. And uh, we're talking major stores like BevMo, um, Albertsons, restaurants like Applebee's, that kind of thing. So it's it's definitely spreading. Yeah, and that billion-dollar number does sound large, but at the same time, Ballast Point was sold for $1 billion several years ago, so it is possible that a liquor or alcohol brand could be worth that much. Definitely, and there are figures showing that um, whiskey in the American market is is becoming more popular uh, in recent years. Mm -hmm. So, as these legal fights are going on, is there any chance any of them would affect the production and distribution of the spirit? I mean, I can't completely answer that question, but the the lawsuits really seem to be seeking um, recognition that there is some kind of an ownership stake in this business and for a share of the profits. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the more money it's making, I, I think they're going to be wanting a cut of that. So San Diego has big craft beer culture. We're big into kind of niche products. How big of a thing what is this whiskey? I mean, look, I, I don't cover the spirits industry or anything, but uh, my take on this is I think it is kind of a big thing. I mm-hmm. think it's um, gaining in popularity nationwide. Um, if you just, I've been tracking them on Twitter uh, or just mm-hmm. the keywords on Twitter for the past few weeks. And, you know, there's there's a lot of traffic on screwball peanut butter whiskey across the country. It, it is interesting. Um, I've been at several parties where Mm-hmm. In the past, I would say, yeah, a year or so, where um, people have pulled this bottle out and said, you have to try this stuff. It's amazing. All right. Christina Davis, thank you so much. Thanks. In other drinking news, San Diego County breweries won 18 medals at the Great American Beer Festival last weekend, which is the second highest total won by the county. The record was 20 in 2011. For comparison, the entire state of California won 36, and in second place, Texas won 16. The three-day competition featured more than 9,500 entries from about 2,400 breweries. Despite the rise of hard seltzer and several high-profile closures locally, American craft beer is still expanding, particularly in medium-sized cities in the Midwest and South. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.